0: The in-dash N-O oled display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Your insurance company is denying your long-term disability claim despite the fact that you've paid premiums for years and your own doctor insists that you're not well enough to work. If this sounds familiar, call Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. You'll speak with me, Brian Goldfinger, a licensed and experienced lawyer who practices exclusively on behalf of accident victims, disability claimants, and their families. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm O. Sampson Folk, and you're joining me after the Raptors win a crazy game in some respects versus the Brooklyn Nets, who were without Kyrie Irving. They had Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris leading the charge. The Raptors without Marc Gasol, Norman Powell, Pascal Siakam, Matt Thomas. A lot of players, but still managing to to win this one, especially after a a tough start to the game, but they did end up winning 121-102, to much to the chagrin of the Brooklyn Nets, and much to the uh, enjoyment of every Raptors fan who was there to witness it, and everybody who stuck through that first half, in which I I put on Twitter that Raptors, it was some sort of performance art meant to subvert what we thought offense was in the modern NBA. It was tough, they couldn't get a bucket, and that started right away. The Nets gave the Heat a nod and brought out a lot of zone versus the the Raptors. And everybody knows that the Nets, they do have a proclivity to run quite a bit of zone already this year. So with the Heat having a lot of success running that against the Raptors in their last game, it makes a lot of sense for the Nets to drop that out quite a bit in this game. And in the first half, it was really, really successful. We saw the Raptors running into a lot of the same problems that they had in the game against the Heat. OG Ananobi being put in as a zone buster, Serge Ibaka being asked to be a zone buster from the middle, that wasn't really working. Still with OG, you're having those problems to the point where he's flashing to the middle, but there's a lot of improvisation that comes from that type of play, especially for a guy like OG. That doesn't make a lot of sense for him to be in that play type. A guy like Kyle Lowry, a guy like Pascal Siakam, Marcus Saul, these guys are really good at the improvisation, but OG better in a tightly defined role with some room for improvisation as far as its attacking and closeout, stuff like that. But as far as asking him to flash to the middle and to dissect the Nets defense from there, there were a couple plays he had that were nice. I, one of the highlights was finding Serge for a big dunk, but outside of that, really tough time breaking the Nets down that way. And as far as how the guards were going to try and counteract that measure was a lot of drives to the rim that were fruitless for Fred Van Vliet, A lot of grifting from Kyle Lowry, some of it fruitless, some of it bearing fruit. Uh, Kyle Lowry is one of the best grifters in the league. He got himself to the line a little bit, and he really tried, man. He was putting defenders in jail quite often, getting them behind him and trying to create either two-on-ones or three-on-twos going towards the basket. It was really tough sledding for the Raptors and not something that was easy to get around. You could see the Nets and the Raptors were creating similar looks But the Nets were much better because theirs was off of defensive penetration, going downhill, and the Raptors players having to make a rotation. Whereas the Nets were a lot more stagnant in their defense. So if the Raptors were getting a shot out to the corner and it was open, it was open but not as open as a shot the Nets were getting on the other side of things. So we saw the Nets, they came out, I think they're winning the three-point battle by 21 points at halftime, hitting... A litany of threes, eight, I believe, and the Raptors only hitting one. That was Fred Van Vliet, and it was from four or five feet beyond the three-point line. The Raptors not being able to inject any offense that way. And so what that meant was that the Raptors, the only way they stayed in this game was, A, some terrific offensive rebounding from Serge Ibaka. Teams that play zone know this. Everybody who's played basketball knows this. It's hard to rebound the ball really well, defensively rebound, I should say it's hard to lock down a lot of defensive rebounds when you're in zone because you don't have a natural counterpart to box out. That means that everybody has to be far more diligent looking to find a man to box out. Otherwise, you have guys like Ronda Hollis jefferson or guys like Serge Ibaka who come crash the glass. And especially with Jared Allen, let's say, hanging back in a zone, it depends which side of the floor the Raptors are playing on because he's going to shift to that side. If is sitting on the weak side, Allen isn't going to be his natural counterpart. So that offers up a lot of opportunity for Ibaka to feast on boards because he can beat out the weak side box out if there even is one. Same with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson just being kind of like a, a slithery type of offensive rebounder. He's always been really good at that, creating extra possessions that way. So the Raptors able to create a ton of extra possessions that way. That was really important in the first half to, the, to stay within reach because the Raptors, their offense really was not working at all and on top of that the Raptors scored almost a third of their points in the first half off of Nets turnovers and they didn't have any fast break points but they were scoring off of turnovers which meant that it was just getting so many extra possessions the Nets a lot of dead ball turnovers a lot of you know muck-ups things of that nature at the end of the game is 24 turnovers for Brooklyn seven for Toronto and that's That's an extreme disparity. You don't see that often in the NBA, but that was how the Raptors stayed in this game. The second half was defined by their shooting, rapid relocation from Kyle Lowry, Fred VanVleet, and some funky officiating for a moment in time. But as far as staying in the game, you had the offensive rebounding, you had the turnover gap, and that's how the Raptors, they just put up so many more shots. And they did end up coming back and winning. They were down 16, They won by 19. That's already fantastic, but they had to stay in this game in some manner. And their discipline with the ball, they missed a lot of shots, but they didn't turn the ball over hardly at all. And they really got after it on the offensive glass. And for what it's worth, they played good defense. Same thing we saw against the Heat. It's just their offense failing them. As far as their defense, really good job. That was something the Raptors could really stick to, and it became a really good thing for them in that game and has been for some time. So, the Raptors, they hung around. They lost the first quarter 33 to 24. The Nets hitting a barrage of triples, but the second quarter winning at 24 to 19. Anytime you hold the team under 20 points in a quarter, that's a big step defensively. And the Raptors, that was how they stayed in this one. It was a huge part of that. And it set up the explosion in the second half. And a second half that started, you know, it, it was pretty much playing out the same way. The Raptors still having a ton of trouble scoring they just couldn't get anything going that led to some big time frustration for a guy like Kyle Lowry who is always gritty and a little bit pest like but is never usually dirty and we actually saw two dirty plays from Kyle and the first one came when he put up a shot and it looked like he might have gotten fouled and it looked like he took some incidental contact to the head and I genuinely mean this I am a huge Kyle Lowry fan I love the guy but he was definitely in the wrong in these situations and so what happened was Jared Allen I guess incidentally maybe touched his head it didn't look like anything really and Kyle kind of just grabbed his arm and yanked him down a little bit reminiscent of when Kevin Love had his shoulder from Kelly Olnick. it was a really dangerous and stupid play really bad look he got a flagrant 1 for that kind of lucky it wasn't a flagrant 2 it was definitely it was completely unnecessary it had no place in the game And I don't know why he would do something like that. Anyway, that happened. The very next play, he, while playing defense, was leading through a screen with his elbow jutted out. So that meant that his first point of contact while trying to get around a screen was elbowing Jared Allen directly in the chest. And why he would do that again, I'm not sure. Then I I haven't seen the I've only seen the play four, maybe three or four times. It looks as though Allen also retaliated. The elbow came close to Kyle's head. I'm not sure if there was direct contact there or if he got brushed on his shoulder or something, or even if taking the elbow to the chest kind of made for Allen his arms to get forced out. I'm not sure, but he got a technical foul. Lowry got a regular foul, obviously, because he didn't try to go around the screen. He just threw an elbow into Allen's chest. All this stuff was happening just in the third quarter, Matt Devlin and Jack Armstrong are yelling, don't poke the bear. All the hyperbolic statements about Kyle Lowry and the heart of a champion and all that kind of stuff comes pouring out. And, you know, for good reason, Kyle. There's a reason why you don't want to piss him off. There's, you know, a history of games in which Kyle has been pissed off and has come back and killed the other team. And it just so happened that in this game, that was that was big time. And not only that, but on the other side of the floor... The Raptors—they were doubling and icing out a lot of Spencer Dinwiddie's possessions, which meant that guys like Joe Harris, Torrin Prince, Jared Allen, especially DeAndre Jordan—they tried to use them like Marcus in the middle of the paint, and that was really bad. So that the Nets, without being able to rely on Spencer Dinwiddie, started piling up even more turnovers and couldn't create any offense. So the Raptors slowly started crawling back into this game, and the same way that the Raptors had trouble scoring, soon after the Nets were running into the very same problems, not being able to get into the teeth of the defense, not being able to hit their triples, and soon enough their offense sputtered to a complete halt as well, and that's when the Raptors on the other side of things, whether it was Fred Van Vliet, who was fantastic in this game, I mean he was really, really good. You had him taking a couple of shots in the middle of the zone, bringing out a floater, taking mid-range jumpers because that's what the defense was allowing and it took some coaxing out of him but he eventually did start making the nets pay for that lowry being able to insert some three-point shooting into the game just a couple straight cold as hell pull-ups and then getting a lot more attention between the two of them they started with their rapid relocation off ball and they really started killing the nets beyond the the arc, and that was really the bellwether for where the game was going for the Raptors. They had completely swung at that point. They go on a 15-0 run. Everything seems to be breaking their way. And it wasn't like they were raining hellfire. It was just that they were, you know, getting good offensive looks and they were capitalizing on them. And the reason why they were able to build a lead so fast was because Brooklyn wasn't able to score at all on the other end. And that was a major problem for Brooklyn, obviously. The game got quite simplified. The smaller lineups were working. The Raptors found a lot of success in that with Kyle Lowry, with Fred Van Vliet, especially Lowry plus Bench. There was a really nice run there for them. But Lowry and Van Vliet really making any lineup with those two viable and giving Serge Ibaka a really nice rest at the start of the fourth quarter. The Raptors being able to take advantage of the small lineups, being able to score with them, and still guys like Ronda Hollis jefferson Chris boucher Performing really well and playing bigger than they look and being able to cover a lot of a lot of ground on defense and to cause a lot of disruption for the Nets on offense. That meant a lot of good things for the Raptors. Then by the time Serge Ibaka came back into the game, it was over. You know, Serge Ibaka, he finally came in. He had some rolls to the rim. He was diving and he was making it happen. And that meant the Raptors got to close this game out really, really well. I know Kyle played like 43 minutes. Fred also played a really heavy number, 36. And so we saw that happen, and the Raptors were able to take something that was a deficit for them in that game and use it against the Nets to completely take them out of it. So that's a strength and a nod to how the mental fortitude, I should say, of the Raptors, that they were able to turn this game around in that fashion. And I was so happy to watch this game and see that work out. Kyle finishing with 26 points, 5 assists. Fred with 29 points, 11 assists. Just really, really fantastic guard play. The Raptors started flexing their muscles. That two-point guard lineup became really potent towards the end of the game. And that was how the Raptors won this one. Serge was great. Serge was the best big man on the floor. He made that known, and he played that way too. And it was really great that the the Raptors could lean on that throughout. But the two-point guard lineup was really what brought this game to where it ended up. It was the play of Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. The Reggie Evans Award goes to Kyle Lowry because that was one of the grittiest games I'd ever seen. I watched him play one of his worst first halves of the season only to come back and play one of his best second halves of the season. And there was so much mixed in. It was this foul-baiting, ref-hating, dirty play type of game and then suddenly it was just this bowling ball to the rim. Steph Curry like performance from beyond the arc and taking charges on the back end of the defense. All these things went from being very bad to very good and he turned it around and for players to be able to do that is such a big thing because some players get mired in slumps and they just can't get out of them. But Lowry, he's a champion. He knows what it takes to win. His effort's always there. He played Forty-three minutes in this one, he brought it on both ends, and he's a huge part of why the Raptors won. And he gets a Reggie Evans Award, the Mitchell Robinson Award, which hasn't been awarded in some time, goes to Spencer Dinwiddie. Not because of anything villainous in his play, but his goatee. And shout out to Evil Abed for all the community fans. Spencer Dinwiddie has a very prominent goatee on his face, which makes him evil by proximity. And that means that he is the the Mitchell Robinson Award winner because the the goatee necessitates evil acts. Maybe we didn't see them today, but they're certainly happening. So this this is an Easter egg for all all the community fans out there. The top quick reaction comment is from Rambo. Glad uh, glad to see you with Raptors. Rambo says all caps. Don't poke the bear. Yeah, that is that's a very <laughs> A very popular phrase in the Raptors fandom. And for good reason. Tonight was just another example of why there is a lore for that saying as far as how it's compared and brought up with Kyle Lowry. And tonight, it just adds to that lore. Kyle Lowry, I think the term poke the bear will be... They'll be related for quite some time. Even if Kyle Lowry moves on from the Raptors, retires, whatever. If Matt Devlin, Jack Armstrong are on the call they're going to make so many callbacks to it. They're going to reference it all the time and it is it is a part of the Raptors lore, it's part of the Kawhi lore and I'm happy happy to say it with you. Don't poke the bear. But that's it from me. I hope you enjoyed listening. I hope this was I hope this had enough knowledge and information for you but whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. There's no place like Home for the Holidays or HomeDepot.com for holiday decor with great low prices on decorations inside and out, like artificial Christmas trees to light up the living room, outside lights and playful inflatables that bring joy to the neighborhood. Order online and you'll even get free delivery. Holiday decorating improved with a wide assortment of holiday decor from HomeDepot.com. How doers get more done. Free standard shipping on most online orders over $45. Some exclusions apply while supplies last. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway Card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply.